This is Pixelated Audio, and you're listening to another expansion pack. Why? Because every two weeks just isn't enough. Thanks for tuning in to Pixelated Audio, a bi-weekly video game music and retro gaming podcast. The track you just heard was Castle City from Wave Race. Awesome game and uh, very glad to hear that again. We are your hosts. I'm Brian. This is James. And today we have a special guest. Kevin, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah. So uh, this is Kevin here. I worked uh, together with James and the graphics department at our company and uh, glad to be on the show. At work, we kind of talk about game stuff. And then when we did the Bob episode, I had mentioned Kevin in the Bob episode because like a week before we decided to do it, Kevin was like, oh, I loved Bob as a kid. And I was like, wow, it must be fate. Like we have to do Bob. So yeah, um, yeah so I, we wanted to do an expansion pack and I asked him if he wanted to be on. And he was like, sure. Awesome. So we, we talked a little bit about how you got into the video games and stuff. But um, why don't you let us know again so everybody can kind of hear because I still don't know the whole story. Sure. So I, I was into games a lot as a kid, but uh, never as much involved as I was until after I heard this, uh, after I heard your show and I, I met James, uh, it really sparked a new interest in in kind of reliving my childhood through video games. Yeah. And I think we kind of build on each other too. I mean, yeah. you know, I think it's getting, it's snowballing every time me and James start talking to each other about like games, we start getting more excited and more excited and, mm-hmm. you know, then you throw drinking into the mix and yep. then it becomes like just a disaster of yeah, like you everything. break out that wallet. And I know <laughs> we've got a lot of comments from, from you guys, you listeners that like, Oh, I've, I've really have been thinking about getting this game. And after hearing the episode on that game, I got to go get it. Or what is this? Like, where can we find it? So it's, I think just the gaming community in general, you get, you hear someone excited about a game and it makes you want to try it out. And I know with, with Kevin and I at work, when we talk about stuff like, you know, it's just like, oh, he just picked up something. Someone's like, oh, I feel like I got to go pick up something. So, <laughs> like just on Friday, he picked up something. And then I, I ended up picking up a couple what, of what, Nintendo what game 64 games. Um, I think you picked oh, up. I picked up uh, Uncharted 1. Okay. The yeah. One and then PS3. Uh, and then I ended up picking up uh, Wave Race. Nice. And then um, Beetle Adventure Racing, which I had growing up. And I ended up getting San Francisco Rush. Um, so that awesome. was pretty awesome. Very cool. So that track we just heard was Castle City. Do you have experience playing this game? I assume you played this growing up. Oh, yeah. I played this a lot growing up. Uh, one of the first games I got for the N64. And uh, it was a game that my younger sister and I played a lot together because she felt uh, we felt that it was something that we could both enjoy. It was a friendly racing competition yeah it looked great it was just so bright and so friendly when you play not violent you know yeah and uh you know i mean myself i prefer the fighting games and the whole you know fighting violent games with my sister it was all about to 
friendly racing games that we enjoyed. So this is something we played a lot together and something I played a lot individually myself. Yeah, I, I grew up with this game. This is one of my favorite N64 games of all time. I would spend hours and hours just in Dolphin Park. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's the little trial area where you learn the controls and everything, but it's this little tiny island, basically. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that people listening who have played this game know exactly what I'm talking about. And there's dolphins kind of swimming around. You can, they kind of follow you, and there's different jumps you can take. You can kind of cruise around and gain speed and learn and master a bunch of tricks. Like, uh, you can do, like, backflips and you know, forward flips and spin around on the handlebars yeah, and stuff and like, like this. Barrel rolls and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, fun, it's you know? I would just sit there for hours and hours and hours and play Dolphin Park over and over and mm -hmm. over, and then use the little trick to turn into the dolphin and play as that too. Yeah. Things like hold down A and down or something when the the level starts. But anyways, um, really cool track. Why did you pick Castle City over everything else in this in the soundtrack? Recently, when I listened to Castle City, it uh, it's a really elegant sounding track. It it made it feel like uh, you're at one of those twenty five hundred dollar plate fundraiser dinners. It's <laughs> jazz music playing. There's a live pianist. Uh, it's just it's just really classy and really fancy, and um, it, it's uh, it's catchy. I really I really enjoyed this track most out of uh, a lot of the tracks on there. Yeah, I, I really like this one too. I mean, most of Wave Race soundtrack is excellent. Pretty awesome. Um, I really liked how it has that kind of elevator mall feel to it, with a little bit of like energy boost punched in there. Um, I mean, it's just I, one of my favorite parts about this track specifically is those really long, drawn-out scales that kind of ramp up. It's like doom, 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 and it really, really reminds me of like. 80s television like the Incredible Hulk or like Charlie's <laughs> Angels or something awesome. like that like how they do that all the time they do something incredible and they had like that kind of echoey noise so. see I, I liked the the sirens they it, it's like these sirens that build up and while the sirens are kind of building you hear this really cool like percussion like clavis and mm -hmm. like wood blocks and stuff like you know going off and then it just kind of builds up and then goes back into the the melody again I think that was a, a sweet track mm -hmm. this is a cool level too I think it's mostly like a darker level right, right it's, yeah. it's like played yeah, at night it's, it's definitely a, a darker level uh it's it's just a lot a lot of fun i mean all the levels in this in this game are great but this one really stood out to me because of its classy feel to its music cool could you actually tell us a little bit about the game yeah so the game came out in 1996 uh it was developed and published by nintendo and its composer was Kazumi Totaka. Yeah, and you guys would definitely know some of his work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Japanese composer that started working at Nintendo in 1981 straight out of college. Uh, he's done a ton of stuff. So, mm -hmm. like, Mario Paint, Super Mario Land 2 on the Game Boy, Zelda Link's Awakening, Wario Land for Virtual Boy, Yoshi Story N64, Luigi's Mansion, Animal Crossing. I mean, just... Yeah, I mean, pretty much everything that you've probably played. Everybody's played a game that he's worked on. Yeah, at, at least one. I mean, at least one. Yeah. So Totaka also did some voice acting, too. And I think we talked about him on another I think epi did, yeah. other episode at one point. Yeah, um, he did the voice of Yoshi. So a lot of different a lot of different games that Yoshi has, you know, voice yeah. voices in. He He's done those voices. So like Yoshi. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That, sounds, that was really good. We did not. We did not splice in the sound effect. That was actually James. Yeah. Um, I just threw that out there. So good. But I mean, can you imagine like a grown man? Well, I guess I just did it, but yeah. I mean, like, well, a, I couldn't. Yes, yeah, super could, famous yeah. composer, and they're just like, "Hey, we need the voice of this little dinosaur," and it's like, "Okay, I'll do it." Where did that come from, man? I don't know. <laughs> that was re that was. I've really never good. heard you do that before. <laughs> Anyways, he also did the voice of uh, Professor Egad from Luigi's Mansion. Yeah. So pretty, pretty awesome voice acting there. Both um, totally unintelligible voices, but yeah. you know. Very awesome composer, though. Yeah. And uh, also, Animal Crossing, K.K. Slider 
is uh, based on Totaka mm-hmm. too. So I think that was the thing that we mentioned. But it, it's funny because Totaka actually is kind of famous for something else too. He has this little 19 note song called mm-hmm. Totaka song. And he scatters it in a bunch of games. I'm sure the listeners know this, mm-hmm. that that are familiar with his work. But if you're not familiar, then he's done this this little 19-note melody that he throws into games that he's worked on. Mm-hmm. So all these different titles will randomly have in these very hidden kind of Easter egg-like spots um, the Totaka song. Mm-hmm. And so do, do you want to hear some of the, the oh, tracks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a YouTube video I found that has all of them put together. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, let me play that real quick. It's pretty rad. But uh, we'll, and we'll make sure we put a link to it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rad. Like looking at every different method of getting this uh, Totaka song to show yeah. up. A lot of them are like two minutes and thirty seconds of like waiting on a certain screen. So um, if you go to like Mario Paint, for example. Yeah, and the way you get this is if you click on the O on the title screen, it starts playing this track. So yeah, because remember for that game you have the Nintendo mouse, so you can actually move things around. But right, right. I knew I knew about that one, but there's some of these other ones I had never heard of. Yeah, also in like uh, Link's Awakening, there is a, a like a hut in the Animal Village. I think it's Richard's villa, and um, if you wait two minutes and thirty seconds in his villa in the house, um, it'll start playing the track. And so here that is. But anyways, yeah, it's in a lot of different uh, a lot of different games that he's worked on. There's um, Yoshi's Story, uh, Virtual Boy, Wario Land. Uh, he has it in there. Uh, Animal Crossing New Leaf, Yoshi's Touch and Go, and uh, Animal Crossing City Folk. And uh, I think recently the Mario Kart for Wii U. So yeah, it's pretty yeah. awesome. It's so cool that they that they have this little touch that they just add in there, and it's for the most part really difficult to find, or you got to spend a lot of time waiting for yeah. it. Yeah, I'm in surprised really weird how, spots. I'm surprised how somebody found these, and I'm sure it's a, a lot of people weren't looking for it, and mm-hmm. they came across it. They're like, "Hey, what is this?" And they you know put it online, and people are like, "Oh, hey, this is a common." I heard that same thing in this other game. Yeah, is a common. Thing that's happening with you know Totaka games, you know. So, anyways, so let's move on. In the spirit of our expansion packs, James, are you up next? No, you're actually up next. Okay, so my next track is Gradius Rebirth, and this is for the Nintendo Wii, specifically WiiWare, and the track is called Moonspin.
So that track was called Moonspin Last Exit from Gradius Rebirth on the Nintendo Wii, specifically WiiWare. This was a WiiWare title. It was developed by M2 and published by Konami. Um, it came out in 2008 in Japan and 2009 in the U.S. It was composed, well, arranged by mm-hmm. Manabu Namiki. Yeah, such an awesome track. I mean, this is exactly what I would have expected from Gradius. Um, very fast-paced, high energy, uh, kind of had a little bit of a montage feel that I really like. Um, but I really like that drum breakdown in the beginning and then yeah. those little chimes, like almost like star sounds to it. Like I really like that a lot to the song. Very yeah, cool. I, de- I definitely love the energy to that track and uh, uh, just overall a great, great listen. I loved it a lot. Yeah, yeah I mean, all Gradius music is pretty, pretty hardcore, pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, this track is kind of like a remix of the MSX Gradius 2 track by a, a few different composers. We actually talked about them before. There was um, Iku Mizutani, Kazuhiko Uehara, and Motoaki Furukawa. And uh, we talked about them on the Nightmare episode. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm not exactly sure which one of them originally composed this track. Do you want to hear the MSX version? Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah, play that real quick. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely hear like the similarities, and this still has such an awesome sound to it. It yeah. actually feels like a little bit more of an authentic '80s sound. Yeah, no, I actually prefer this version a little more. Yeah, because it is does have that chip tune sound, yeah. but the remix is very well done. Yeah, he did a very good job, um, you know, remixing this for this game. Anyways, we won't play the whole thing here, but uh, just to kind of give you a taste. So anyways, Manabu Namiki is a Japanese composer and sound designer. He started in 1992 working for NMK, which is Nippon Microcomputer Kaihatsu. Then he moved over to 18 Rising. And then in December of 2011, he actually worked at Basicscape, a small you know, small group of sound designers and stuff that were headed by Hitoshi Sakamoto. And under that, he did uh, Trauma Center under the Knife 2, Beat Mania, what is it, Beat Mania 2 DX, which is some, you know, Beat Mania game. Right. Um, there's a million of them. He did Death Smiles. He also did uh, Namco Museum for DS, Metal Slug 6, Mushihime Sama Futari. Oh, I love that game. Yeah, and Mushihime Sama and Dodon Pachi Daiojo. So he's done a lot of really cool stuff, a lot of shooters, and this kind of just goes along with those different titles he's worked on. So it re- works really well. The game itself, did you ever play this? No, I've actually never played this one. Okay, so the game itself, it's it's, it's actually a pretty fun little WiiWare title. And WiiWare, if you've never actually tried any WiiWare games, actually some of those are simply amazing. They're, mm-hmm. they're very, very, it was a cool concept that Nintendo did. Um, it was kind of like the start of like the indie download scene for Nintendo, I believe. Mm-hmm. And where companies could just create these little tiny games and put them out for like five to ten bucks or however much. You could download them from the, the Wii shop. And, uh, you, you know, play them and just have them installed. Yeah. No, we mentioned um, those before, too. In the, the Punch-Out! episode, Nintendo had put out as a Nintendo Club download only for Doc Lewis's Punch-Out!, which was a right, little, right. like, Punch-Out! minigame that was based on the Wii 
version. Exactly. So Gradius Rebirth uses um, the Nemesis titles for the MSX is like its bases. And, you know, there's a power meter and text display. Those have all been like updated and mm -hmm. kind of reformed or reimagined. The music also completely redone. So we hear a lot of these kind of classic tracks and those are all actually in the game as well. You can unlock them or play with the classic music. But um, all these remix versions are are pretty pretty nuts, pretty insane and well done. Gradius Rebirth itself, if you're not familiar with Gradius, is a 2D side-scrolling shooter. It's just like the previous games. It's not really anything breakthrough or new, and it didn't really get the best reviews. I think it was like, I think Metacritic was like 60 or something out of mm -hmm. 100. So it didn't have like the best reviews, but it was. I thought it was a pretty fun little game. It just didn't really bring a whole lot new to the, right. to the table. Anyways, I think you're up next on the list. Yeah, I'm up. Uh, I'm going to play a track called Evergreen Ending from Valise, the Phantasm Soldier 2.
You just heard Evergreen, the ending theme from Valise, the Phantasm Soldier 2 on the MSX, composed by Tenpei Sato, Shinobu Ogawa, Masahiro Kajihara, and Jizo Kubaro. Wow, dude. <laughs> I think you found the track of the month, man. Yeah. I, like so wild. I just had the, the our library on random, and this song came on, and at first I was like, wow, this is really beautiful. It's really cool. It kind of sparked my attention, and then... I had no idea what I was in for. I oh mean, man, it starts out. I was, you know, you hear just the two voices, and you're just like, okay, this is this is pretty simple. It's a nice little melody. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Uh, a minute and a half in, it, those triplets start playing. It's like da 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 da, and it, man, and then it just unlocks piece after piece, just kind of folds together, and then the the kick drum comes in, snare, yeah. and then, wow, what a wild track! And the ending, man, I I don't even words can't even describe that. Yeah. It's like magic, magical. Yeah, I mean, I was so excited to share this track with you guys. And, and you know, as we were listening to it, I was like, kind of like, he, 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 like, I know what's going to happen. Oh, and like, uh, I, was give just, me chills. I was just watching you guys and, you know, like Kevin, you were like, oh, this is really beautiful. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. And then I was like, oh man, they don't even know. Wait till that kick drum comes in. And oh yeah. It's dude, just, it was, it was elegant. It was gorgeous. I loved every minute of that. Yeah. It's, it's something I listen to, you know, time and time again. Yeah, Valise is known for its good music too. Mm-hmm. It's a very, uh, I you know, we didn't know each other's tracks. We specifically hid them from each other, like mm-hmm. we do for all of our expansion packs. But I had no idea you were going to pull Valise on us. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, good I mean, job, you really dude. didn't was... know until a couple minutes ago when I said, "Why don't you load up this track right here?" Yeah, no, it blew my mind. That was a good one. That was a really awesome find. A little bit more about this game. Um, this game came out, like I said, for the MSX. It also came out for the PC eighty eight. Mega Drive and Genesis, PC Engine, TurboGrafx-16, Sharp X68000, and it even came out for the PS3 in Japan only. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's been... I, I've seen this game ported on at pretty much everything. There's a million different versions of it. I'm glad you picked the mm-hmm. MSX version. What a rad way to you know showcase the MSX again, though. Yeah, I mean, when we did that Nightmare episode, I fell in love with the MSX, so I was like, oh, yeah, I really want to do some MSX. And, I mean, this is not really considered the best version of the game they there's a lot of slowdown where there's a lot of things going on and this is a 2d platformer um and there's a lot of kind of choppiness and i guess the the x68000 kind of fixed some of that but its music is not really as great so it took a little bit of hit there oh yeah okay um but i mean it's it's really cool this game was originally developed by laser soft uh, but renovation games did some of the ports and it was published by telnet japan yeah so um and i guess there was a, a really kind of a big difference between the laser soft versions and the renovation games there was, was it like upgraded graphics or no it was more in tone um the renovation games was a lot more violent there was okay. more blood uh, they changed some of the characters a little bit like I guess there's this there's this one character that they kind of changed how he he was more of like an anti-hero and then like he in the other version he like dies and um, there was just a lot of a darker tone and there was even some nudity in the renovation games and I saw in the sharp x68000 version that I think there's actually full nudity in the game well now I gotta fire this game <laughs> up for sure you know I, I, I regret to, to say I feel you know kind of ashamed to admit that I've actually never played a Valise game I, mm-hmm. I I've you know put them on and kind of dabble with them because you know I've heard so many things and it's always on like this back burner list mm-hmm. of mine that you know I need to go through and play you know some of these but it's just one thing that I've just never got around to and the more I hear the music though the more I get pumped to play the game Kevin did you ever play any of the games have you heard about Valise so I have never heard any of these games or play them before but I can tell you that I am mesmerized by the music yeah. it is amazing and as someone coming from 
not being familiar with these games before and just falling in love with the music has got to say something. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. It, it was a it was a great pick. Can you tell us a little bit about the game? Did you look anything up? Um, yeah, it's uh, the the story behind it is you play as a schoolgirl named Yuka, which from what I understand is the same character you play as in the first game. Okay. Um, and she's kind of plagued by these new nightmares, and then she finds out that these nightmares are real, and there's a new warlord in this kind of other dimension, I guess. Um, okay. So she has to become a warrior again, and she goes to this other world to kind of free them. Um, and I guess this time it's more personal than the first game. I guess uh, a little bit of spoilers. You find out that she is part of like the royalty and they sent her to earth to be like safe or something like that. So um, that's, it's a pretty rad story. Actually. I think I could get it. Is it, it's more of like an RPG, like action RPG. Or? Um, no, it's, it's a straight up platformer, but it does oh, have it some RPG elements. So yeah, it's a side scrolling platformer. You're hopping around, but you have like, you can fly and you have swords and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure there are some RPG type elements with upgrades and things that you can gain. Right. And there's a lot of, a lot of dialogue, I guess. Yeah. And that was one of the things that the, the Sharp X68000 kind of trimmed. They okay. kind of tightened things up a little bit with taking out some of the unnecessary stuff and kind of making some of the kind of scenes not so long. Kind of focusing the game a little bit more. Yeah, kind of fine-tuned you know, it. Because when I when I dabbled with these, I mean, it was years ago. It was like high school, you know, mm-hmm. around high school time, maybe a little bit later. I don't really remember much about him. But now that you mentioned it's more of like a platformer, I do remember that it reminded me a lot of Something like uh, Potful Mail. Yes, uh, very much reminds me of Potful Mail. It has that kind of anime look to it even, okay. which I thought was really cool. Because Potful Mail also has a lot of dialogue. It has mm-hmm. kind of an action. It's a platformer, but it has like this action RPG kind of element to it yeah. at the same time. But that's really cool. Now I really got to go back and play this. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I mentioned too that this game came out in 1989. So it was it's pretty old, but I mean, it's it's really fun. And that music is just so, so good. And like... Like I said, there was a bunch of different composers. Couldn't find a lot about a lot of them. Um, Tenpei Sato was the one I could find the most about. Um, was doing work from 1988 to 2008. And I saw on their list a lot of MSX, PC-88, PC-98, X-68000, PC Engine, Super Famicom, Genesis, right. all the way up to PS2 and PSP. And it's funny that the last credit on theirs is this PSP game called Prinny, uh, I Can Be a Hero, and it's funny because I was... Oh, at, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like pretty... Can yeah, I like, really be a hero? Yeah, it's or, like this yeah. penguin. And I was actually at a thrift shop and I saw Prinny 1 and 2 in box. So I was like, oh, I don't oh. have many PSP games. And so I picked them up and I haven't played them yet, but I was like, wow, if if the music is this good in this, like I have to check out those you gotta, games. You got to check them out. That's, that's pretty rad. I think that this is one of those games now that after you know listening to this track, I, I'm going to have to go back and play. Do you have a recommended version or do you know of the preferred way to play this? Because uh, it sounds like MSX probably isn't the way to go. No, they, they had said that the Sharp X68000 fixed a lot of the slowdown, which some of the slowdown made the game almost unplayable from Ooh, what I understand. Okay. But so that the Sharp X68000 version was supposed to be really good. Now I did say that there there was a PS3 version that came out, but for Japan only. So okay. there it is out there, and I don't know if. Um, I wonder know. if I can find that like next time I head over there if I can find yeah, just a awesome. used copy because the PS3 is mostly region free. Mm-hmm. So 
be able to play it that way. Well, and it did come out for the the Genesis too, and I know that there was a super deformed or an SD version right. of the game okay. um, that actually looked really cool. So it's like very short, man. Like, I gotta look that like up, cute dude. little um, animated you know characters hopping around and stuff like that. So uh, that would might even be a version that'd be fun to play as well. Rock on. Anyways, I think uh, who's up next on the list? Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. All yeah. right, Kevin. What do you got next for us? That is me up next, and I have a uh, track from the game uh, Road Rash. Oh. That uh, came out on the uh, in North America, the Genesis, and uh, Japan, known as the Mega Drive, out in 92. But in Europe, um, they got the game first on the Mega Drive in 1991. Excellent. And uh, the track name is called Pacific Coast. Awesome. Let's listen to that and we'll be right back. So you just heard Pacific Coast from Road Rash on the Sega Genesis. 
very cool track. I feel yeah. like I just drank like 14 Red Bulls and I'm ready to rock. Yeah, I mean, and this this track really fits perfectly with this game. Yeah, you know, this this track specifically was composed by Rob Hubbard, and it has that feel. It's just really intense. It's it's not overly complex. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it has a very simple rhythm that kind of repeats and repeats. He has these little kind of melodies that grace in and different different patterns and different rhythms that he works with. But overall, I think it works really well for this type of game. I, I thought it was a great track. Good pick. Oh, thank you. So this this is a great track, a lot of energy. It, it got me really pumped up while playing the game. But a uh, funny story was uh, the, the reason how I got into this game to begin with was I had family from Atlanta coming to visit. And back when Blockbuster was uh, really big and you could rent your movies and games. I had rented a different game and my, my cousin, let's say, rented this Road Rash game for the Genesis and uh, he got a lot of the glory playing this game. Uh, a, lot, a, a lot of people didn't weren't big fans on the game I picked, so I had uh, kind of been bitter about him picking the popular game. And what, what did you pick? I picked some old Western game with guns and shooting, and that's really all I was into before. But that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, it did yeah. sound awesome, but... Uh, I want to know what that game is. <laughs> from all the glory he got from picking Road Rash, I, I was a little upset. So when he had taken off back to Atlanta, I had gone back and rented the Road Rash another two or three times since... And just fell in love with the game, but yeah. didn't let anyone know else. Didn't let anyone else know about it. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I I loved this game too. Growing yeah. up, it was a fun one. This Road was one that I good. had as well. And yeah. I mean, you're just so great. Just playing racing motorcycles, beating people up. It's just so fun. I actually had Road Rash one, and you know, I remember the cartridge has that little yellow piece on the side. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, it just stuck in my head that this was a really fun game. Yeah, it was developed and published by Electronic Arts. Mm -hmm. So Rob Hubbard composed this track, but it was actually composed by two people. It was composed by Rob Hubbard and Michael Bartlow. You know, we talked about Michael Bartlow actually mm -hmm. before in our Bob episode. So yeah. half the half the track, the soundtrack is is stuff by him and half is by Rob Hubbard. Rob Hubbard, I don't know how many times we've talked about him on the show before, yeah. but you know, once again, if you're new to the show and this is your first episode, um, I hope this isn't your first one. It's probably a weird one to start on. But uh, Rob Hubbard is a British composer, and he did uh, a lot of stuff. He was a sound designer, and he's arguably one of the most renowned musicians for video game music of all time. Did a lot of stuff on the C64 and influenced a lot of composers of you know video games today. Mm -hmm. Awesome melodies and, mm -hmm. and rhythm sections, and I think this track was no exception. It's very cool. Yeah, and I found it really funny when we started really diving into some of the research for this game that, that Kevin picked this track. And I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the episode, we said that Kevin was really into Bob and before, and had mentioned it before we did the Bob episode and that, you, you know, unbeknownst to him, this game is directly linked to Bob through Michael Bartlow. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And Michael Bartlow is awesome because if you go back and listen to uh episode, what was that? 20, Oh, I don't even know. 20, well, yeah, I don't know. I've done so many now. It was a while back. Anyways, if you listen to our Bob episode, uh, definitely you'll hear some of his stuff. And it's really good. I, I think that was um, Michael Bartlow. And then the other version was Alex Rudis for mm -hmm. the Super NES. Yeah, some really good stuff. And all if you listen to the whole soundtrack for Road Rash, you'll hear a lot of very similar stuff. It doesn't sound like it's different composers almost. It almost sounds like mm -hmm. they, they really work together well for how they compose this the style of music for this game. I thought that was pretty awesome. Next up on the list, is it me or you? I'm it's losing. you. Okay, I am totally lost with <laughs> when it comes to like organization of... of yeah, when we have guests next. on here. Yeah, okay, so the next track that I have picked, it's actually... Okay, so I have to preface this a little bit. It's not going to be this epic 
track that you're going to hear like Valise and it's not going to be this hardcore road rash stuff. It's a little <laughs> bit more mellow. Okay. Anyways, so I'm going to fire this one up. It's called The Amazing Paperboy Rides. Amazing Paperboy Rides from Paperboy in the Arcade. And that, that was a really, really jazzy uh, song there. I really enjoyed it. I was bopping my head to it the whole time, and yeah. I, I was yeah. in the zone. I really liked it it's a good lot. good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I really liked how the track built. Like, it, it like it, how it builds. It's just like, it starts out, there's like that cowbell. I kind of like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good. Yeah, <laughs> and then, so good. And then, like... Gotta have more cowbell. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then, like, the piano comes in and kind of takes over a little bit, and then, but you can still hear everything that was going on before. Right. And then those keyboards come in and start getting some tickling on the keyboards. It's yeah. just like... Oh, I loved it. It, it was every, just, like, really cool, yeah. This was for the arcade. Specifically, it came out in 1984. It was developed and published by Atari. The thing about this, this is specifically for the Atari System 2 hardware, and which used the YM2151. But uh, it was ported to like nearly everything else. And the first time I played this game was actually on the Game Boy. And then I played it on the NES. I'd never played it in the mm-hmm. arcade because nobody around carried this game. And it wasn't until 
I think it re- wasn't really until California Extreme last year mm-hmm. that I was able to actually see the full cabinet and actually play it. Yeah. Rather than being in like you know some arcade in the '80s, and you know I never, didn't get to experience it that way. So for me, I picked this track because I remember so much about this. This is one of my first Game Boy games, mm-hmm. and uh, you know if if you never played Paperboy, it's it, it can be a little bit taxing, a little bit frustrating, mm-hmm. but when you start up the level, you get to see that the houses that are subscribers to the newspaper and it does the cowbell for each dunk, 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 and you get yeah. to kind of see, it, and then it gets right into the track. And so I thought that was really cool. And I picked this track because pretty much just nostalgia factor. And then also I had never really heard the arcade version. I thought it was a very jazzy, very kind of elevatory sound. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, really it's a, enjoyed that. It's a really interesting arcade too. Like in, instead of like the controls being like a joystick or something, you have like bicycle handlebars. Yeah. And like you move so forward and backwards by like, like a dirt bike kind of specifically picked this track because I have a picture of you from California extreme. Mm-hmm. I think this year too, yeah. that you're playing it and you're failing miserably. Yeah. It's, it's a very unique game Yeah, and it, I didn't have, it growing up so i didn't play a lot of paper boys so it's it's very weird and then also playing with bicycle handlebars it's so very that weird. that's what makes it really difficult wait, because wait, so the the game the arcade unit itself uses handlebars rather than a joystick and buttons yeah yeah, yeah it's wow. a full-blown thing so if you Amazing. tilt forward on the handles you actually ride faster if you hold oh, back you, yeah. you ride slower interesting and then you have okay. the, the left and right control very so cool yeah it's yeah, it's, cool. it's it's very interesting uh concept and very interesting um arcade it's gonna be really hard to like kind of emulate that that mm-hmm. feeling because you need that that controller that control panel but anyways the the object of the game if you've never played paperboy um, shame on you. But <laughs> if you haven't played it, um, the object is to deliver papers to different customers while inflicting as much damage to their property as possible. Yeah. So you want to try to like get like newspaper. You get, I think, the most points for getting on their doorstep or yeah. in their mailbox or something. But also you can like hit dogs and hit uh, windows. break windows mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you miss a house, though, the subscribers will unsubscribe from the newspaper and you get less and less and less so you can't get as many points the Mm -hmm. next time around i think if you miss too many it's like game over yeah but um i thought it was a a really cool kind of fun track to Mm -hmm. to put in an expansion pack because there's not a lot of music in the game yeah i mean it's a very interesting type of game i always loved how the unsubscribers or houses were so like dark and like gargoyles and like like black cars and stuff like that it was just very very odd and then on the sidewalk, there's all kinds of things in your way. There's like people like breakdancing and stuff, oh, yeah. and you gotta oh, wow, avoid yeah. them. And there's like slick well, you spots know, in the and... '80s, you go on any sidewalk, and there's people yeah. breakdancing. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's kind of just lends to the realism of the time. I think. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm joking. <laughs> Anyways, no, but there. So the, there's two people actually listed as responsible for composing this game. So, and I don't know which person actually did which track. Right. But um, the sound design is listed for two people. There's Hal Cannon and Earl Vickers, and both were Atari, Atari employees and uh, did a lot of their arcade music. Um, they both also worked on a bunch of different console parts under Atari's Tengen title. So Hal Cannon, he did the music for Marble Madness, Gauntlet 2, Championship Sprint, uh, Tubin, Skull and Crossbow. We played like nearly all of these together mm-hmm. at one point in time. Um, but he did a lot of the sound design and sound effects for uh, Atari as well. 
Earl Vickers, he did Star Wars and Gauntlet for the arcade, Steel Talons, Miss Pac-Man for Genesis and the Sega Master System. He also did RBI Baseball 3, Pit Fighter, Dragon's Revenge for Genesis, and he did Awesome Possum Kicks Dr. Machino's Butt for the Genesis. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that game? No. No, I haven't either. I, you know, I, I read that and I was like, man, did I miss something? I, I really have never heard of that Sounds game. Sounds cool. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I guess. They both worked on a few different titles together as well. They both worked on Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, 720, Zybots, Roadrunner, and Gauntlet 4. Nice. So they're credited for a lot of stuff, and a lot of that early Atari music is really inspirational to, I think, composers nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, what you know they pulled off really changed the way that a lot of game audio in the west was was thought about and was was made so yeah i mean a lot of those early systems really did set the pace for what game audio would be like right and they did a really excellent job so anyways i thought it was i thought it was a fun track to put in i'm glad you guys Mm -hmm. glad you guys liked it i hope really really good yeah thanks thanks Yeah. yeah i mean i take no responsibility for anything in that that game or that soundtrack but but thank you very much for but you picked it yeah a yeah, great pick for sure excellent great so pick. we're moving on to another kevin pick so yeah next up i'm gonna play a track from desert strike return to the gulf uh, on the super nintendo the track is called theme of the lone hero So that was Theme of the Lone Hero from Desert Strike Return to the Gulf. Came out in 1992, developed and published by Electronic Arts, which came out on the Super Nintendo. That was a very cool track. Yeah, very fast-paced, very cool. Very, man, that's another, like... 12 yeah. pack of Red Bull. Yeah, right it's there. very road rash like. Yeah. No, and and I think there's there's a kind of a, a trend growing on what yeah. uh, what you like. So I'm starting to notice we should have done another episode with prior knowledge. Yeah. Right, yeah, just a lot of high energy, uh just high-paced music. It it really gets you pumped up. It really got me pumped up again just re-listening to it now. So So when did did you play this game when it came out? I don't I didn't necessarily play it when it came out, but I did play it as a child and I played it a lot. I spent several hours on the Super Nintendo playing this game. And uh, just maybe five to six years ago, I had discovered to, uh, how to play it back on my computer through emulation. So I played, spent another couple hours playing it that way. Right. It's, it's a good a way to, to kind of relive stuff. Mm-hmm. A good yeah, way it to really keep... brought me back to my childhood. It's a lot of fun to play. I, I actually played this game when it came, uh, not when it came out, but later on. It was a rental title for me, too. And I, I thought it was a... I thought it was a really fun game. I, mm-hmm. I liked all the Desert Strike and Soviet Strike yeah. games that, that came out. I thought they were all pretty fun. Yeah, I didn't have a Super Nintendo, so I, I didn't wah, play this wah. one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wanted it. I loved my Genesis, but I was definitely jealous of anyone that I knew that had a Super Nintendo. But, I mean, I did play a lot of these kind of helicopter shooter type games. So. Yeah, yeah. The game... So, the reason why I was mentioning like the, the high energy and stuff and the, the trend is because this game was actually composed by Rob Hubbard again. Right. But with this time with Brian Schmidt. I, I'm not sure. Do you did you find out, James, who actually composed this track? I don't think we had a no. A I, I didn't on know it. who who. Based on my research, I couldn't find out who did this specific The Lone Hero track. It, it does sound like a Rob Hubbard track. It does, but, but then again, you know, it, it, the other composers he'd work with have done a very good job at kind of emulating Rob Hubbard's sound, or not yeah. not necessarily that, but 
kind of working together to create a very cohesive soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So it's it is kind of hard to tell if any of you guys listening know who the composer is. I mean, feel free to let us know. We'd be more than happy to fix this and let you know in the show notes. But uh, yeah, so Brian Schmidt, you did some research on him, right? Yeah, um, Brian Schmidt's a pretty cool guy. Um, he had did a lot of music for actual pinball machines. So, oh, cool. Like the, you know, steel balls, all that stuff. So some of his games are like Hook, Goldeneye, Space Jam, Jurassic Park, Batman. I mean, those are some huge pinball I, titles. I played uh, Jurassic Park and Hook a yeah. lot. Uh, the other two uh, in Batman, Goldeneye and stuff, I, I never played those actual pinball machines, but Hook was a, a fantastic pinball yeah. machine. Yeah, and it's, funny, it's funny that you mentioned that because I did play a good amount of pinball games too, including Hook, uh, Space Jam, and Jurassic Park. And I wouldn't have been able to tell that this was the same composer. So it's hard. Um, it's hard it's, when it's you're a little in an different type too. thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he did a ton of pinball stuff. I mean, for Williams, Daddy East, Sega, that was his main group of, of pinball machines. But he did a lot of games too. Uh, some of the games were like Narc, okay, Crewball, that Motley Crew oh, video no. game. Um, oh no! You got Zoop. <laughs> Um, and then a bunch of Madden, NBA, and NHL games in the 90s. So they all kind of have that kind of high-energy, fast-paced sound. Right, so that sports it's, kind of It's vibe. kind of believable that they would be a good matchup together. Yeah, no, I, I think that his work was is really prolific. I mean, Hook and Jurassic Park, I mean, those... Sure, they're using a lot of licensed music, but be able to push it through the, the sound chips of those pinball machines is pretty mm-hmm. pretty impressive. And this, this track, whether it's Rob Hubbard or Brian Schmidt, I think it was you know, put together very well. A lot of energy, fast paced. This track is short itself. Um, why specifically did you pick this track over some of the others in the in the soundtrack? So this track specifically because it just got me pumped up like it did back when I was a kid. Uh, it just sparked up this energy that I I've had before and that I would like to relive again. Uh, it was it was so good hearing it again. It just brought me back to my childhood, and everything about it was awesome. Ding ding, ding 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 ding. That is the point of this podcast. Yeah. So if you're hearing stuff and it and it brings you back to that you know that special little place, that that's definitely what the goal is. When mm-hmm. we when we started doing this, we were thinking, man, like all these games that kind of we have these memories of, and also some of these kind of like faux nostalgia memories, like. Valise, like I never played it, but it makes mm-hmm. me feel like I'm I'm back in the you know in the it late eighties or retro 90s. feel. That- it, it brings me back to when I was that age, even though I didn't experience the game. Mm-hmm. So this was that's a really cool you know kind of anecdote that you brought up that you know this game just kind of brings you back to your childhood, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what the point of listening to all this music is. It's oh yeah, very, I mean, very well done. It, it wasn't until listening to the show that I was able to spark up how I used to feel as a kid playing video games before. So it's it's really it's refreshing. It's definitely mm-hmm. refreshing to hear this again. Well, yeah. and I think one of the, like one of the things that you touched on in the beginning of the episode was that you have a greater appreciation for games now. And I feel like for me, that's one of the big things for me in the, in this type of a venture for the podcast is that I've always loved games and but now as an adult, I can look at games I've never played in a different light. Like I may as a kid have been like, oh, I don't know, this game's kind of dumb. I'm not going to play it. But now as an adult, I can say, oh, you know what? I really want to give this one a shot. And then I can really be blown away by the visuals and the graphics and the music and all that stuff like that. And it's it's just really cool. So it kind of creates this, like you said, like a faux nostalgia. Like I didn't play it as a kid, but it reminds me of what it was like to be a kid playing games. Right. And then the other thing too is now that we're a little bit older, we can appreciate the subtleties and the challenges and the the work um, that went into the these. work that went into this a, a little bit more because you know a long time ago you play a game for you know fun factor and to get into it and to kind of lose yourself like getting into a book or or something along those lines, but now 
you know, we all have busy lives. We, Mm -hmm. you know, we're adults now we have to, we have to work. We have, we have very limited time, but we channel that time in some of these retro games and it really kind of brings back so much, makes us really rework, you know, on our brains, all the gears start ticking again. We start thinking like, oh man, like the, the music that went into this, the graphics, the mm-hmm. art style, like the things, the, the complications, the limitations that they had, it's all relevant. It's all very, it's what makes retro gaming so great. Mm-hmm. I'll shut up. James, you have a track to play. Right? Well, actually I, there's one thing I want to mention about this game, like how you're okay. saying the limitations, they create like such a creative environment to do things that no one else is doing in a different way. So uh, when I was doing research on this game, the lead designer of the game is a guy named Mike Posen. It's P-O-S-E-H-N. I'm not sure if you, that's how you pronounce it or not. That's a good guess for me. But So he has no background in designing games. He's never designed a game. He actually has a PhD in mechanical engineering. So And he was very inspired by games like Choplifter, and he wanted to make a non-linear game that had clean and smooth animation. So he actually developed this whole new mechanical or this camera system that really mimicked the momentum of actual helicopters. So he took the limitations of this hardware and decided he wanted to engineer something that made it more realistic based in those limitations. And I just thought that was so cool to take a game and then you know, it actually feels more like driving a real helicopter, which was pretty cool. Right. And this game reminds me a lot of Red Zone Mm -hmm. for the Sega Genesis. And uh, that was a big breakthrough at the time. And I think this actually did a better job. This Mm -hmm. game did a a lot better job of, you know, creating that 3D, you know, move anywhere perspective of uh, flying a helicopter than than Red Zone did. Red Zone had fantastic music. Listen to episode four, all about Xerinx. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this game actually kind of, toned everything like really focused everything and made it very cohesive I thought. well and it turned out really well for them because uh this was actually at the time electronic arts highest selling game ever. i believe it i believe uh, it so it was a huge commercial success and it was just it turned out really well for them and it was like a fun game and like you said kevin you just could not stop playing it so yeah just a lot of fun i i up to now i mean i'm even thinking about going home now and just playing it again it's so much fun so <laughs> it's between that or release now yeah right man All right, James, I think you're up next, right? Oh, yeah. So this is going to be my final track. It's a track from an arcade game called Escaluda 2, and the track is called Deserted.
You just heard Deserted for Espagluta 2 on the arcade, developed by Cave and published by AMI. And the composers are Manobu Numiki, Mitsuhiro Kaneda, and Ryu Umemoto. Wow, that's a great track. I mean, all the the series of the Espagaluda, Esp Raid, or ESP Raid, and mm-hmm. uh, the second one, they're all they're all amazing soundtracks. They have this really kind of space, kind of rave feel to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, this track is no exception. It's just really like high intensity because it's a maniac shooter. Yeah. But at the same time, it has this grace to it. I don't know. I, I guess it really kind of centrals yourself. I don't know how to explain it's, it. There's a know? delicateness to yeah, the whole track. Yeah, there's a delicacy, and, yeah. I mean, I picked this because I, I figured Kevin would like it. I know that Kevin was very into our Ghost in the Shell episode, which was very techno, kind of trancey. Right. Uh, very kind of dance sounding. So I thought, oh, I thought he would really like this. So I think you especially would really like a lot of the music to these Maniac shooters, especially by Cave. Oh, right. yeah. It was it was an amazing track. And uh, any, any trance techno, I am all about it. It's so good. Awesome. Yeah, so good. Yeah, no. There, there's those lead ups to me that it, the you know everything would cut out and then it would just fire back up into the mm-hmm. this high energy and I I just thought that was just out of this world. It just feels so good. These cave games. I mean, we've talked. I don't know how many times we're like, oh, we're gonna do a cave game next. We're gonna do mm-hmm. a cave game next. And uh, you know, we keep pushing them back and stuff. But we have so many that we yeah. want to do because it's kind of hard to pick one to start with. Yeah. Well, I mean, me and you are, are huge cave fans, mm-hmm. and so it's just. It's just hard to yeah, hard to find that first one to start with, but I'm glad that you threw it into the expansion pack because it's about time we have a, a, a cave game show yeah. up. So I mean these maniac shooters are just they are, are insane and a lot of the music the thing that I really like about them is you know, how do you make music that's just as intense as what you're seeing on the screen and not feel so chaotic because I mean you have bullets going everywhere and then you got music going everywhere and sound effects and the the precision with some of these tracks is just so crazy. I mean and that's one thing I really love about Japanese music is the precision it's so like precise it's like there's nothing is just off a little bit it's everything is perfect it's, everything has its place everything has its time it's like mm-hmm. this recipe of formulated and mathematical mm-hmm. kind of equations all put into to a like a musical score yeah and, and I, there's still like so much character to the songs too. right right and the, the thing about this too is it's really hard to in an arcade in a Japanese arcade, I used to go to them all the time. It was it was great, and they were still relevant. They were still really popular mm-hmm. and still really around in 2000. You know, going into an arcade, it's very very hard to make out certain music when mm-hmm. you have a ton of people playing. But these arcades are 24 hours running, so you could go in at three in the morning after you know having you know a party or whatever you're doing, and uh, you could get into it. And there might not be many people in the arcade, but you get this really rich sound. So a lot of the the cave games and the games that I played, like the fighters and stuff that I played in the arcades over there, uh, I could really hear the the arcade music mm-hmm. in that environment. But it's really hard in other settings. So singling it out and putting it by itself, and not hearing all the background noise, makes this song just really makes it distinguished. I think it really brings out all the care. You can hear every little subtlety to it. It's mm-hmm. very good. Yeah, and this game actually came out for other systems as well. So there was other ways to to play the game where you could get a little bit more of a one-on-one experience with the, the game. Um, I'd said AMI developed or published the the arcade version. Well, right. Cave actually published all the worldwide stuff. So it came out for mobile phones, Xbox 360. I knew I knew it came out on the 360. Yeah. Yeah, and also Android and iOS. So okay. um, wasn't I, mean, I didn't know that. I wonder how it would work. I mean, something this fast pace on yeah, with a touch know. screen might be kind of hard. Cool. Yeah. I mean. These composers are, there's three composers, like I mentioned, for this game. Um, they all have a lot of amazing stuff. We actually talked about Namiki 
Um, oh right, right, right. So there we, you and I even had some overlap. Yeah, um, that was my first track. Yeah, with uh, the Gradius Rebirth. Uh, same thing with like. Uh, that's why you were giving me that look because you were like, uh, when I was started talking about this composer, you started looking at me like, oh, oh okay, because oh, you didn't know my track. Yeah, so I was gonna, funny that we. Had I was that. gonna play it as my first track, but then I decided oh, I'm gonna hold off till the end. So I mean, it kind of sparked my ear when you were saying like things like Death Smiles and stuff. So, but Canada uh, has uh, range tracks for games like Hyper Street Fighter Two and Pink Sweets, which is a, a really fun game that, that's awesome we played that together quite yeah. a few times and then it composed tracks for tekken 6 and tekken blood vengeance a tactics ogre ume no wa and crimson shroud which um you know so he's still working today yeah he's still doing stuff because crimson shroud is pretty it's recent like 2014 i think yeah. i think i have it on the 3ds right and then uh, Umemoto? Yeah, so Umemoto uh had done a couple mobile suit gundam games and then katsui is that how you say that katsui yeah. um which is another really awesome uh, arcade game that we we've played before, and then Mushihime Sama, which is a game that I really really enjoy. Oh yeah, so. that was like that. That's one of our go to cave titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it really was just one, one of the first ones I really got into, and it just kind of blew me away. So I mean, the music is just so good for a lot of these cave games. I mean, we could talk about cave stuff all day long. And yeah, we've we're, played we're gonna have much, to do one soon. Oh, it's kind of inevitable, right? It's just gonna happen. Just when so any goals so any have you played any cave games you know i have not but just because of that track i think i might look into it that that was really good well do you like maniac shooters i do like maniac shooters and i played a bunch um but uh not as of late and I think I'm going to get back into it because it just it's a lot of fun and yeah, I'd like the, to get back into that. It, you know the intensity, you start sweating and start getting that like ah, you know, kind mm-hmm. of feeling. Yeah, it, it I think that's good. what I like. It's exhilarating and it feels it feels all, really all the good. cave stuff, all the Toho stuff. It's yeah. just squeezing through all those bullets on the screen. It just makes you feel like a champ. You're like, whoa, how did I do? I don't even right. know how I did really that. Does, yeah. yeah. Anyways, I think it's time we wrap up the show. We have one last track to play. But uh, first of all, let's cover some bases. We are Pixelated Audio, and you can find us online at pixelatedaudio.com. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pixelated Audio. And, uh, you know, leaving some comments and stuff and some feedback on our shows really helps us kind of keep putting out new stuff and new content. And we'd love to hear feedback from you guys. Yeah, and we also wanted to plug something a little bit special to us. Every year for probably about the last four or five years, we've been doing a charity called Extra Life, which is a video game marathon for Children's Hospital. Uh, right. Brian got me into it when I first met him, and then now uh, I've gotten Kevin into it. So we wanted to plug this. It, the event is coming up towards the end of the year in November, and um, we have a team called Pixelated Audio. And Kevin, you have a team. What's your team? Yeah, team? so a uh, close childhood friend of mine and I have uh, developed a team called uh, Daru, and I'll spell it as a D-A-H-R-O-O. And we're very excited to do our first year of Extra Life and hoping that this will continue year and year after that. Yeah, it's something that we've we've been doing for a while, and mm-hmm. it, we always look forward to it, and we always try to raise a lot of money. I think last year we had a few thousand yeah. that we got for it. And um, it's it's really something special to us because all the money, it gets, for one, it gets us all together, you know, once a year. It's a one-time thing. We all get together and play games, all of our friends, childhood friends and stuff. The other thing is that, everything that we're doing is directly going to children's hospital. So it's really important to us. You know, I donate to myself Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we also get friends and family. So if you guys listening like our show, we never want to ask for donations because that's not what we're doing this for. Mm-hmm. But if you guys want to help out Extra Life, we'd really appreciate some extra support for there and the, the children too. And if you guys want to join our team, that's always something that we're looking to get more team members. Maybe you can come locally if you live around here in, uh, in the Bay Area. 
or if you're, you know, somewhere further away, you guys can join us, you know, remotely. We can raise stuff, some money together for the kids. But uh, also, I think this year we're going to stream live on yeah, Twitch. Yeah, and we're also planning on doing a special live episode of Pixelated Audio. Yes, yeah, it Recorded as we're playing and then put out after, but right, um, right. it's going to be really fun. We have some pretty cool ideas for that. So Excellent. So what do we have last up on list today, Kevin? So the last track uh, we have up is from a game, Blood Rain, uh, back on the PlayStation 2. came out back in 2002. Uh, the track name is Argentina 3, and this is a game that I have played... Uh, a lot with with a buddy of mine who we're actually doing the extra life event with uh so i have a lot of experience with the game i uh, had a lot of fun with the game spent many hours playing this and it's it was very very enjoyable to play uh the track's called uh, argentina 3 again this is for blood rain on the playstation 2 it came out back in 2002 thank you so much kevin for joining us today it was a blast having you on we yeah. hope to have you on future shows yeah thanks yeah. for having me i look forward to be on future shows keep up the great work all right so this track is from blood rain thank you guys and look out for the next episode